Hello, hello, and welcome to So Now That We're Talking, the podcast where professionals get personal. This is episode 59 of the podcast, and our guest today is Daryl Pastelnik. Daryl Pastelnik, man, I tell you what, this uh, this interview was maybe one of my favorites that I, we've done on the podcast. It was just great getting to speak with him. So Daryl has been a sales executive for decades. He's worked for so many different amazing companies. He's worked for Disney. He's worked for Microsoft. He's just He's done a ton of really incredible things in the business world, but also what I wanted to talk to him about, which is what I think a lot of listeners might know him from, is not just his incredibly successful business career, it's from his TikTok page, Cooking with Daryl. And Cooking with Daryl, I met this guy because um, we actually had him on the Kelly Clarkson show kind of more toward the beginning of this whole thing. And now this page has grown and he now has 2.1 million followers online and uh, just on TikTok alone. And I'll tell you what, there's something just so kind of homey feeling and nice and comforting about these videos. And he's really developed a real following, clearly. I mean, 2.1 million people is, you know, quite a following. And has kind of found this whole second career passion project in addition to what he still does as an executive in the sales world. So, uh, you know, this is just a really great talk. We, we cover a lot of stuff. We cover kind of his background and some of his philosophies on life and business in general. We cover kind of what the overlap is between his quote unquote day job and his, you know, blossoming kind of second career as a, you know, a TikTok influencer. We talk about how he's dealt with and managed the growth of his success, both in his, again, traditional business job and in this new TikTok world. And it was really just fascinating. And he's just a really excellent human being. So I hope you all enjoy this conversation as much as I enjoyed the conversation. Um, really, really, truly a, a, a great person and uh, a great time. So without further delay, let's get right to it. This is episode 59 of the podcast with Daryl Pastelnik. Tell us who you are and what you do. Cool. Uh, so Daryl Pastelnik, and I am a uh, first and foremost a father. I've got three kids, uh, a husband, of course, and um, a sales, uh, I guess I'd say sales executive by trade. Worked uh, for the last 35 years, uh, pretty much in big companies, uh, Disney, Microsoft, and now uh, at a company called Opia, which is run out of the UK. And I manage all of North America for them. So I've been doing that now for the last five years. And uh, kind of a side hustle gig is the uh, TikTok yeah. uh, food food creation. Yeah. Which And how long have you been doing that? So this has been going on now for, uh, I think we're on about 16 months. Yeah. Wow. I mean, so yeah. I mean, it's pretty crazy because... I mean, first of all, sales and, and what you do for your quote-unquote day job... That alone, you've had a lot of success doing that. I mean, if you're running a country as part of your job title, usually it's pretty good. You know, you're doing you, you did pretty all right for yourself in your career if you're if that's part of your job title. But uh, yeah. but I mean, 
I wonder, you know, did you find what about that side of your life and about this past work life that you've been doing? Have you found gratifying and has this cooking aspect always been something throughout that that's been a passion for you underlying? Yeah. So I've been in sales my whole career. And, you know, when I was at Disney, which is now, geez, almost 30 years ago, uh, I ended up running a team for them and, and managing the U.S., so I kind of consider myself um, a, a good manager of people and and just a good people person. Yeah. So let, let's just say with customers and with team members and development, uh, that's kind of my foray and what I've done uh, with my career. Uh, when I then went to Microsoft, you know, I managed the entire consumer business for them for almost 15 years and launched the first Xbox and hired that whole team. And, you know, that was a blast. Wow. And and again, back to the whole sales management relationships, that's kind of what I, I consider my specialties. So when it got to the point where I uh, started the TikTok, it was just a passion. Yeah, I, I like cooking. It's a hobby. My daughter completely talked me into it. I would have never done it on my own. I uh, didn't even really know about the TikTok app. Uh, didn't know how to get on it, what to do. I always thought it was for young kids and dancing. That's what my daughter <laughs> does with it. So I, I was very uh, uh, negative to actually getting on and doing it at the start. But once I did get on and once we started actually seeing some traction and I thought, wow, this is something, I really managed my entire TikTok business, which is really is now, uh, the same way I did my career. I mean, it's all about uh, dealing with people. Yeah, it's about dealing with comments. It's about looking at, reacting to, answering all the comments. Uh, so I try to really engage with, just like I engage with my teams in whatever profession I was in. Uh, I do the same on this app, and I think that has uh, really helped me in a sense of uh, building uh, my community and my platform. Yeah, that's so fascinating. I was just I was going to ask you that exact thing. Actually, is how much of that overlap of, of, you know, managing people and your people skills, do you think is intrinsic to success on the app? Cause I, I encourage everybody who's listening to go in. If you don't have TikTok, Hey, what are you doing? But also like go and <laughs> go on the app and, and find you. Um, and then, because a your videos are great and the recipes are great but also i think a big part of your success and it sounds like maybe you think that as well is it is kind of about this personality and warmth you know you i think being a people person a lot of times is about you know how you're engaging with people and how how you make people feel because if you can make people feel you know, taken care of or make people feel, you know, hey, this person is in my corner. Those people are going to want to do better for you. They're going to be more transparent. I think they're you're going to have just a better base and, you know, of people around you. And I think that you bring that same kind of energy to viewers just in how you're talking to the camera in, in how you're commenting on things. And I wonder, you know, when you do that, what are some of the secrets to you between, okay, this is my opinion on, this is how you're a good business, how I'm a good business leader and how I think people should be good business leaders. And the, this is also how I brought that over to TikTok. Like what are those similarities in approach? Yeah. So that's a great question. So my style 
has always been lead by example. My style, whether I'm a, a manager, whether I'm you know managing the U.S. at Microsoft, whether I was doing it at Disney, whether I'm doing it at Opia, which is the current company I'm at, I dig in. I never try to put myself um, so much higher than everybody else. Uh, I, I kind of like to feel like I'm part of the team. I, I the reality is I have serious FOMO. <laughs> and I've, I have FOMO uh, when it comes to my personal life and my business life. So when, you know, a lot of people go out with their teams, you know, they're like, oh, crap, the manager's coming. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of felt like I was part of the team yeah. and it was like, oh, crap, he's not coming. Yeah. Like, why? Why not? And of course, I'm always the last one to leave, which, you know, I think <laughs> the management structure and current business is you should be the first one to leave. And that's just not me because that's not my style. So I always really try to put myself uh, as part of the team, you know, lead by example. So when I do my TikToks, it's the same way. I mean, I try to be as authentic. I mean, a lot of them you'll see, I've got parties going on at the house. Yeah. I've got friends over. I've got my kids' friends over. That's just what we do. So when I talk to the camera, when I make something, I mean, it's kind of like I'm just hanging with my buddies or hanging with my family. And that's how I try to react because it's natural. And maybe that's where all the authenticity comes in is because I just cook, you know, I yeah. think I have a decent sense of humor. I try to be funny, uh, but this is how I act in business. And again, that's either good or bad. I mean, some companies can look at that as a downfall because I'm not uh, the authoritarian figure and someone that, you know, people are afraid of and, oh my God, the boss is coming. I, I just never wanted it to be that way. Uh, I have no issues having a hard conversation with people, but I hope it's something that it, it's not the first time they're hearing it or they're not, it's unexpected uh, because we've already had the conversation. So when I do this and when I cook, when I, I don't script a thing. I don't know if I've ever scripted, written down, what am I going to say? <laughs> I just do it. And a lot of my learnings from marketing and sales with especially these big companies I work for um, kind of go into, you know, how I've grown this business because it really is a business. Yeah. It's, you know, a lot of people can go on and dance and do that and get a bunch of followers and say, wow, I've got a million followers or and it's fun. Mm -hmm. I, I, this is fun for me. I will yeah. stop it when it's no longer fun. When it becomes a job, uh, I'm done. Uh, but right now it's fun, but I also take it where I take my partners, my sponsors seriously. And I try to, you know, because I've been in marketing my whole career, you know, I make sure if I'm promoting a product, I'm facing it correctly. I'm I'm giving them the right uh, authentic uh, promotion without making it sound like a, it's a sales pitch. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, that's something that I've noticed where I just watching the videos it's kind of become because I've been watching for a long time because I've you know since you were at eight hundred thousand followers and now you're at like you think you said two point one million yeah and I mean it's things like I'm assuming unless it's just a product you really like but that's the genius is Bacon Up is probably a sponsor right but. <laughs> Well, maybe, yes. maybe not, but, but I'm saying, but, but bacon, but that's the thing is I don't know because it's so like authentically just, it's just a seamless little integration, you know, into, into your flow in your videos, you know? Yeah. Um, they have been, they have been my best uh, partner yeah. by far. I mean, and it was so organic how it all started. I mean, I do love cooking with bacon grease. I did two videos early on, probably my sixth video was steak 
and I put bacon grease that I keep under my sink, yeah. you know, like my grandmother did. And they reached out to me, never even knew the product existed. So I'm like, God, this is great. Yeah. And, you know, I remember telling my mother about it and she's like, God, I used to make muffins with bacon grease. I made everything with bacon grease. So it's kind of become my replacement for oil yeah. or lard or anything you cook with. And I actually love it. So to me, it's not really a, you know, whether yeah. I'm sponsored or not, it, it, that doesn't matter. I do love the product. Yeah, it just and makes I the only food better. Do yeah, and I only do partner with people. If you knew how many requests I got every week I'm sure. of a product that someone wants me to promote, I only pick products that I believe in, I use, and I trust, and I, I'll i stand behind. Yeah. Well, I, you know, this is like... I, I, I'm, so, I'm so happy you decided to do this because honestly, like, I think your journey and what has been happening with this in duality with kind of again the successful career you already have built and had is such an interesting thing and something we haven't had on the show really before but I guess a a big thing that I'm hearing in a lot of what you're saying and that I think comes across is and maybe it's just being a midwest guy or whatnot but I think that uh it's a real like value system thing, you know, like for you when you're talking about leading people or when you're talking about taking on sponsors, everything to, in my opinion is very, um, is very done very morally done very like more in a very, very morally sound way. And you really are being thoughtful about things. And I wonder you know, even how you're talking about managing teams and how you're talking about kind of your principles there and how you're talking about your principles working with your brand partners. Oftentimes, I feel like people get that from somebody in their life when they're young. You know, somebody in their life comes and goes, this is how you have work ethic. This is how you approach people. And I'm wondering, was there someone who really modeled how to do that in a correct way and was there someone who you worked for maybe and you don't have to say the name who you modeled it in a very incorrect way and you said wow i've really gotta go in this other direction when i'm at that point so that's a great question um i will say that my first job out of college uh, i worked for a gentleman out of new york and uh he was an older older almost like a father figure and only worked for him for a year, but he said something to me that I have repeated a hundred times. I do think it stayed with me and I kind of live by it. And, and I don't, it's funny, you asked the question, but if, you know, unless you didn't ask the question, I probably wouldn't have remembered. Yeah. So this, this manager said to me once, uh, he was talking about someone who was on his team, on our team that he had to kind of deliver a tough message to. And he said to me, he goes, one day you will be a manager. And always remember this, uh, deliver the message to yourself first and see how you're going to take it before you deliver it to the person. And I thought, you know something, um, it, it just sat with me, right? Like, you know, I can come down, you know, there's a lot of authoritarian managers. There's a lot of managers I've met in my day who I loved working for. And there's a lot of them I, I despised yeah. and I learned from because they, in my opinion, were so uh, anti how I manage. Yeah. Right. And so you learn from both, but you know, he said, deliver the message to yourself and see how it sounds and then tweak it and deliver it to them. And then he always also said, and remember God gave you two ears for a reason. Cause if one doesn't work, 
uh, you've got another one as a backup. Like, listen, do not talk over people and listen to what they're saying. So I've, I've kind of taken those two things. And, and that was my first job out of college. And, you know, when I became a manager, I tried to listen. I tried to understand. And, you know, over the course of, you know, 35 years, I've had to make a lot of tough decisions. I've had to, you know, fire people, which no one should like. Um, but it always seemed like when I did it or had to do it, you know, there was a handshake at the end. There might have been tears, but it was like, I get it. Like, this isn't a surprise and, and you did it the right way mm -hmm. if you can do it that way. And a lot of people went on to have better careers because of it. Right. So maybe I look back and say it was the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I, I kind of look at it and uh, I try to treat people the way I'd want to be treated. Yeah. And I and I kind of I've done that before. I've written out or typed out a, a conversation I was going to have or I'd pitch it to my wife and she'd go, "Ooh, don't. Yeah, don't say that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's another way to word it. And that's kind of how I've lived. And, and it, it's worked out well for me. And, and it's uh, it's just again, it's, it's about the people. Yeah. Y you are nothing. If you don't have a team that supports you and defends you, will work hard for you, you got nothing. Yeah, that's amazing. You know, I wonder, in your opinion, I know you said, you know, give the message to yourself before you give it to anyone else. Maybe that is the principle. But are there principles to how you approach firing someone in the best way possible and do you ever use those principles when you have to have a tough conversation in your personal life with a friend or a family member are those the same principles or are they different i i, I that's a, again a great question I, I do i i don't really turn a switch on and off i mean people that have worked for me i think would say um he's the same outside of work as he is at home if someone came and I, I would tell you that most of every team I've ever managed has met my family. Uh, they've been to my house. If I can have a barbecue with you and hang out with you, you're, I know you can fit in. Uh, yeah. If I can't, then I know it's uncomfortable and maybe the relationship won't work. But it's, I, I do, I do it with my kids mm -hmm. because bottom line is first off, let's go back to the firing thing. Who wants to get fired, right? You lose your Nobody. job. You might have to pay your rent. You might, I mean, you could have medical bills. You could have, you know, uh, mortgages. It's a terrible thing. So you've got to treat people humanely if you're going to do it. And there's a lot of reasons why. So what I try to do is really incorporate the facts. So no one should be surprised if they're getting fired. There should have been three, five, 10, 20 conversations prior that have led up to that day. Yeah. I have never had to fire somebody where I believe that they said, wow, this is out of the blue. Mm -hmm. How did this happen? Now, if someone did something unethical, wrong, then it's a fact. It's you did this. We have a zero tolerance policy. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. That is kind of easy, right? Because then it's a policy. Um, but when it comes to work and um, just are, are you performing? To me, it's... It, it should not ever come as a surprise. So if I have to have conversations with my kids, which I do, I've got two teenagers, well, two that are now 20 and, and one teenager, and I've got a lot of life lessons. So I try to really say, you know, let me tell you what I went through. May not happen with you, but here's what I went through and here's how I think you should handle it. Like use my experiences. Yeah. So everything I try to do is fact-based. 
because if you don't have facts, I don't want to say, hey, I think you're doing this. Well, someone may go, well, no, I'm not. You don't know what I'm doing. Instead, I can say, let's look at the facts. Let's look at your performance. Let's look at we've had three now conversations or we've had 10 conversations. I've written you this many emails. I it, it never should come as a surprise. Yeah. So and so that's kind of the key is grounding things in in fact. Yeah. And that's the same way with like a personal life conversation if you're having a I mean cuz then it maybe becomes tougher cuz for some people I guess some people's definitions of facts are different, which is tough, especially in personal life. <laughs> right. So if you're talking to your wife or your kids and it's like, well, you did this. It's like, well, I didn't view it that way. You know, it's circumstantial oh, yeah. facts. So, you know, and sometimes you could be like, no, that is exactly what happened. That is a fact. And they're like, no, no, that, I just don't see it that way. <laughs> yeah. uh, that has happened. <laughs> that has happened uh, for sure. And, and then you just have to kind of go, okay, yeah. we're going to see it differently. Yeah. I'm still going to give you my opinion. And I hope. And you're still fired. down the road. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're fired from being my, my kid. Yeah. You're fired from yeah. being my kid. <laughs> but when it deals with my family, I hope, similar to my boss from 40 years ago, right? Or not 40, probably 35 years ago, who, you know, gave me that one saying and a car ride heading over to a, a, a an account call. I'm hoping my kids you know, might look back 10 years from now and go, I remember when my dad told me this, whether I believed him, whether I wanted to agree, whether I fought him on it, I hope it sticks. Yeah. That, I mean, that makes total sense to me. Yeah. I, I feel like that's a really good principle to kind of lead with. Yeah. Um, you know, when you're, I mean, obviously, like we've said, you've had a successful career, you've grown the, you know, to, lead and have a lot of interesting jobs where you've been leading people, but you also are, like you're saying, you really want to be integrated with your team. What is kind of, when you were younger and you were thinking about your career, were you the type of person who was, okay, I'm a 10 years out, I want to be here, 15 years out, I want to be here, like a, a very kind of calculated type, not in a negative way calculated, but kind of really thinking forward, here's my bullet points, timeline, or are you, are you kind of, I'm just going to do really good work and see where I land. And, you know, based on kind of your answer to that, I might have a follow-up, but, but. So, yeah, it's a, yeah. So I probably growing up, whether I played, you know, football in grammar school, you know, I was the captain of the team. I was the quarterback, yeah. you know, the one kind of leading and I kind of always maybe just did that. Now I don't, I don't feel I, tried to be the leader. I think it just came. Um, and I always wanted to run a team. Yeah. That's it. I mean, I wanted to run a team. I wanted, I didn't necessarily say I want to be a CEO and run a company. I mean, if that happened, great. And if it was the right time, awesome. But it was more about managing a team. And I don't know why. Maybe I kind of felt of it like in sports. You know, if you're calling the plays, uh, it just came, it was comfortable to me. Yeah. You know, my mother always joked when I was a kid, I remember this saying, oh my God, you're going to be a lawyer. All you do is argue. And <laughs> I, I, you know, I wanted to get my point across. Yeah. And by the way, I see that in my daughter right now, you know, she does the same and she's literally my, she's me, um, as a sophomore in college. Yeah. So I look at it and I say, I wanted to lead and be a manager. So when I was at Disney, and I became and got finally promoted to a director level and had a team of people. That was my first kind of run at it. And I 
apparently was good at it and kept getting promoted and, you know, ran a bigger team and then ran the U.S. and then went to, you know, Microsoft to, you know, run a $6 billion business yeah. with a team of 80. So it it just worked and it just became my thing. Uh, now, was I always the smartest person? No, uh, because, you know, it just wasn't my thing. You know, school wasn't that, you know, good to me, but it didn't matter because I had all the experiences. Well, and also smarts, you know, there are different kinds of intelligence. So there might exactly. be like, I mean, listen, it's probably pretty damn hard to be the smartest person at Microsoft <laughs> from like, yeah. a, you know, from like a logistical standpoint of like tech and, you know, math and all this traditional level smarts, how people associate it. But, um, you know, interpersonal skills is a, is a kind of street smarts. Is street smarts is a kind of smarts that is invaluable to business and I agree and you know you could be you know a Mensa level street smarts person and that's probably why you've been where you are you know because you can understand or read people or see you know based on how someone is looking behind their eyes as they're talking to you you might be able to say this person is and their motivation is dipping or they don't really believe fully what they're saying or they don't really like this assignment you know how to manage better in a way where someone who might have aced their SATs has no ability to read people because they're just in this vortex. That is exactly right. I mean, I I say it all the time. I've given some uh, speeches at uh, colleges and business schools and I've even put together PowerPoints where I'd go through it. I mean, my ACT score was terrible. I went to the school I went to one. It was local and it was the only school I can get into. Yeah. And my GPA when I graduated, not good. I mean, not good at all. I would never want my kids to have that GPA. However, I had two internships while I was at college. I was president of a American Marketing Association. So I had the experiences, met people that lasted. And then ever since my first job out of school, I never interviewed for another job in my career. Wow. Because someone from that job went to the next role and brought me over and then went to the next role and brought me over. So after one job out of school, never interviewed wow. my entire career. That's and I great. keep telling people, I, I even tell my kids, I'm like, you know, you need the job experience. You need the real world experience. I want you to do great in school. Don't don't get me wrong. Yeah. I'm not trying to tell anyone don't do good in school. But it's about the real world experiences because... Once you, you you have the ability to put your school, your grade point average on one resume that matters and it's your first job. After that, no one cares. Yeah. I've hired countless people. <laughs> they can be from Harvard, Yale, anywhere. It doesn't matter. When I say, what are your experiences? If they can't look me in the eye, if they can't give me a firm handshake, if they can't have a conversation with me and know when to stop talking, uh, they're not going to fit with me. They're not going to be successful in my opinion. Now they might run spreadsheets and be able to run a business, but not on a sales team that I'm hiring. So I keep telling my kids, they will have internships. They know it. You know, they're sophomores now. They know junior and senior year is their years for internships. They know what they have to do. And I, I just try to instill the basic principles of once you get that job, that's what people are going to look for. When you go to that next job, no one's going to care what was your grade point average two years ago. They're going to say, what did you do in that job that want, that makes me want to hire you? Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, completely. And I also think, I don't know how you feel about this, but like 
I think just because I had this experience and I saw people who didn't, I think there's something tremendously valuable about, um, real world work, like grunt jobs, even as a teenager and things like that. Cause I mean, I know when I was 16, like my, my mom was a doctor, like, and so she had a very good job. She didn't need me to help bring home money for the family. You know, you know, it wasn't that, but when I turned 16, I was, I'm an April birthday. So I was getting ready for my summer. I'm like, I'm going to drive. I'm going to, Oh my gosh, this is the best summer ever. And she's like, great. And you can get a job. And I was like, wait, what? And she's like, yeah. and you can get a job. And I'm like, but it's my summer, my first summer driving. She's like, exactly. And you can drive yourself to a job. And it's like doing, but I'm so glad that she did that because that like working at Einstein's Bagels or working at Whole Foods in college, like the ability to still, like you're saying, work for somebody, show up on time, do tasks, well, you know, like that experience, I feel like it, it made me a lot better off when I got into the real world and graduated opposed to people I knew who never had a job. And then they graduated college and all of a sudden their first experience, even the process of going out and getting a job, I had had experience kind of going out and chasing a job, you know? And I think that having those practice swings doing kind of the, I, I, no offense to anybody who's still working those kind of jobs as a, you know, long into their adult. Listen, any job is a job and has worth. But to me, it's like getting kind of those batting practice jobs of, you know, being a cashier at an Einstein's when I was in, um, you know, in a teen. Like that helped a lot for when I went out into the world to try to get jobs, to try to engage with people. And I mean, maybe you feel, I don't know if you work jobs when you're yeah. younger too. Oh, my God. So, I mean, my dad, we had five kids in the family, grew up in a small home in Chicago, and my dad was a factory worker. Yeah. I mean, punched a clock every day. And we knew, I mean, there was no question about it. At 15, Mm. I don't even know if we, I don't even think we were 16. You know, I worked at the local beef beef joint, you know, with all my friends. Uh, You know, then when I went to college, I worked every single semester at college. Yeah. Whether I was a... Uh, I'll call it a maintenance engineer, a.k.a. janitor. I I did everything. I worked at a bar, you know, my last two years. I worked in the student center. I worked everywhere because I had to pay for my college. If I wanted to get something, that's what we had to do. So growing up, it's just the way you worked. We didn't grow up and all my friends didn't grow up that I hung with into a very affluent community. We were middle class at best. Yeah. All went to, uh, you know, private grammar schools and high schools. And so my parents had to pay for all that. Yeah. And so it's a little different now, those costs. But still, you know, on a salary, I think when my dad retired at 67 years old, I think his final check was like his his earnings was like twenty eight thousand dollars. And that's raising five kids in a home in Chicago. So it's, it's just instilled in all of us. Now, my kids, you know, they don't really understand like maybe the success I had. I know they know I worked for Microsoft and I had a big team and I, you know, ran things, but they don't know, like they don't walk around like, oh my God, you know, we're wealthy or we're well off or we've done well. It's just what we do. And so my kids, when they turn 16, I don't think I even told them they had to get a job. My daughter's been at Dairy Queen for three years. Yeah. My son, you know, worked at two or three, you know, Jimmy John's and wherever else, you know, he worked at Top Golf. 
they both have jobs at school. I mean, mm-hmm. they both go to ASU. My daughter just called me yesterday, had an interview and got a job at the local cafe right by our house. Yeah. So, I mean, they all know they have to work. I don't yeah. I don't know if I've ever told them, are you getting a job? Yeah. And when and when there's off time, like whether it's uh, they're home for a month, they door dash yeah. on their own. So they know we don't give a I've never given my kids allowance yeah. ever. Uh, they just know if they want to go do things, they've got to have a job. Yeah. So it's kind of been it hasn't been an argument. It hasn't even been a discussion topic. The only discussions we have is about internships. I want them to have a professional internship in the summers that they're home for school the mm-hmm. last two years. Yeah. And and they both know it. So we've all already been talking about it, of what that's going to be, uh, what they want to do. And I don't even know if I care if it's in their major. Mm-hmm. It's just working for a company to be able to say, I did this. I had a commitment. And here's what I accomplished. Yeah. That's great. I mean, you, you sounds like you did a tremendous job and sounds like you have great kids. I'm so sorry for them that they're uh, they're at ASU. As a U of A grad, I really am, I really apologize to to you as a father that you had to send them there, but not everyone can get into the Harvard of the Southwest. You know, not everyone can do it. I get it. It's fine. It's fine, you know. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> uh, but uh they do need an internship badly to make up for the ASU on their <laughs> <laughs> no. And by the way, here's the other thing. You know, there's things that, you know, I work with a lot of partners and I yeah. you know, just have a, a really ton of business contacts. Yeah. And, and I use them in my current role at Opia. I use them in my, in my you know, side hustle. Yeah. Because I don't, you know, I still keep in touch with people I worked with 20 years ago. Uh, I'm still yeah. friends with them. I still talk to them on whether it's text or uh, Instagram or whatever. I, I, I always... You know, these groups of people I worked with, I still keep in contact with. So I tell them, I'm like, listen, you know, I work with these partners. Some of them, you know, might be great interns, internships. And I want them to make the move. I don't want to make the call for them. But I do try to instill with them, you know, go reach out to them. Yeah. And uh, I'm hope we'll see what happens. Right. This is the summer. And so it'll be a it'll be an interesting one. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um. You know, I, I, I'm curious because a similar thing, you know, with TikTok and with your job too, is when you are begin ascending in a big way, so whether it be in your career and, okay, I'm a manager and now I'm getting promoted again and now I'm getting promoted again, it, I would imagine, and maybe I'm completely off, but I would imagine it's kind of a similar feeling to when you see those TikTok numbers really start to jump up and you feel like, oh, wow, oh, okay. Was there ever a moment for you, were you able to kind of ground yourself with each promotion or was there ever a promotion at a certain point where you go, wow, this is a big job. Like, I don't know, I guess I, if I guess I can do it because they promoted me into it, but this one feels a little bit like, you know, you got a little bit of jelly hands for this one going into it and I'm going to figure it out. And when you start seeing all these numbers come back on your, you know, your TikTok page, do you get a similar feeling of like, ooh, is this is this too big for me? And how do you deal with kind of pushing forward into it and growing into it if it is something that felt like, 
Mm, I, I don't I don't know, but we're going to do it. So that is for sure true in the business world. Um, I would say every job I got promoted into, whether it was at Microsoft going from a senior director to a general manager and then general manager to VP, I'm like, boy, can I handle it? I think everybody needs to feel that way or else, you know, you're not you may not be motivated. Right. Like I need to prove that this was the right move for me. And that's kind of how I always felt. So now it's like, wow, I got a VP title. I, I got to make sure people understand I'm a VP. Like I got I to gotta work harder. Mm -hmm. I got to do better. I got to do all this stuff. So I for sure feel that way. Now with TikTok, it's funny you say that. I would say your phone call might have been <laughs> one of them. Seriously, really? because, well, think about it. I, I This thing all happened organically yeah. very quickly. Because you were a guest you know, we on started... the Kelly Clarkson show. I'll give context for people who yes. wouldn't have. So, yeah, it wasn't just me exactly. calling you to say right. great no, job I that I overwhelmed. I'm for the audience, so they know. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it all started uh, with, you know, the, the ascent from, you know, having nine followers to then... 200,000 was overnight. Yeah. It really was overnight. Wow. Then it just skyrocketed. Now, a lot, I think, went to that. One is people were starving for content. It was COVID. People are all home. So I hit a chord somewhere and I, it, the, the uh, momentum started. The first real um, kind of breakthrough was, of course, at ASU, not U of A, but one of the reporters at the student <laughs> newspaper would see me wearing hats yeah. and shirts because my kids go there. Yeah. And she said, wow, can I do a story? That broke everything because wow. she launched the story. And immediately that evening, um, good morning or good, good evening, Arizona TV show called me and said, we want you on the show tonight. It was so now my whole family's on a show, a TV program uh, doing a two minute segment. Wow. It was probably two weeks later, you called. Yeah. And there's Kelly Clarkson. So it was like it all. I mean, the Kelly Clarkson show, which is a national show. I mean, she is such an icon that to be on that was really cool. Yeah. And it was like, holy cow, where where is this? Yeah. How did I get here? And kind of to your point of, am I ready for this? Then um, I would say sponsors started coming in. And, you know, and again, I, I turn away so many more than I work yeah. with. But you know, I'll give you another one. So there was another breakthrough just last week. And because the video launched, you know, already it, it's I could talk about it. But, you know, Fox TV reached out yeah. for the Gordon Ramsay new Next Level Chef show. I love that show. To do a video. Yeah, I do, too. And so I, I launched a video on Wednesday about the Next Level Burger. That was a, a big one because I'm like, wow, a network. It's Gordon Ramsay. Now I'm not on the show. Yeah. I don't know if I'd ever want to be on the show, but it was more of a I'm promoting the show and they think of me either high enough or my personality or my yeah. channel, uh, you know, they think enough about it to ask me. And they only asked, I think, five people. Wow. So in the whole TikTok world, I feel kind of cool. Yeah. Like that was a big ac amazing. accomplishment. But it was also very, like, a little stressful because I'm like, wow, I got to really nail this thing. Um, there's other deals that uh, probably, yeah, they haven't come out yet, but I'm talking to that are maybe even cooler, yeah. believe it or not, wow. and bigger. And so, um, you know, they're, they're fun. And like I said, I'm trying to make it where I could work with brands, work with stuff that keeps this still fun, keeps it as a hobby. Again, I am not a chef. I make that 
try to make it clear yeah. to everybody. You know, when my cutting skills suck, it's because <laughs> I've never been properly trained. Yeah. This is just how I do it. Now, can I get all polished and do that? Yeah. I just don't think that's my, that's no. not why people watch me. No, no. And that's a good brand awareness. But that whole journey is amazing and full of things that are so cool and like surprising. I mean, I think the most surprising thing in that in that whole journey is the fact that it all started with, you know, that ASU paper. I didn't know that those students could read. So yeah. to me, it's like, I mean, <laughs> Good <one>. so the, <laughs> everything else is more believable after that. But I was like, mm, go back, dig in there. <laughs> but, uh, and the, the, I, that's, I think that that speaks to, you know, your, your ability to proceed and go with it and grow and just like with that work ethic carrying you though through those things. So, you know, through that job promotion, I think you saying, okay, I've got to work harder. I've got to seek to find that's probably key to why you are so successful because I think there are, and I'm sure you've met plenty who or worked with plenty of people who get that VP title and they go, fantastic. I guess I'm going to be golfing more. You know, like, oh, yeah. I guess I guess I get a I guess I get to kick the feet up a little bit because now I'm a VP and I can just delegate, delegate, delegate. And, you yeah. know, I don't need to do anything. But I mean, I think the way you approach it, it is so much better. And clearly it's, you know, paid dividends. Um, is that I try. I try to. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I, I wonder, you know, when you find success in your career and and now you find success in TikTok and everything. And you've come from the background that you've come from, which is kind of very, you know, humble, but working class roots. Is there, is there anything, and this is more a question because I think everyone wonders it, uh, you know, the relationship to money and its value in society and, you know what people say like oh money doesn't buy happiness but i'm a lot happier on a yacht you know, you know like or whatever like people will say quote all these quotes that are in culture as someone who came from a working class background and like you said your dad made twenty eight thousand dollars his last year as a factory worker you know after years and years it's like what do you think the relationship is to money and what do you think a healthy relationship is to money and it's value versus maybe it's catch up for some people. Yeah. Well, we don't, that's, that's an interesting, I don't know if I've ever been asked that. So it's a really good question. Um, I mean, I had a very successful career. I get a lot of comments. You can read them on pretty much any TikTok, especially if I show my backyard yeah. or my kitchen <laughs> and, oh, rich, rich. Yeah. And this is the only reason he's successful is because it has nothing to do with that. I mean, listen, we moved home from Seattle because I moved there with Microsoft and we loved our neighbors. We loved our neighborhood and we wanted to stay in our house. And we thought, let's redo it to make it something we would love and stay here forever. And that's what we did. And we remodeled it. We made it that. Now, did my success help with that? For sure. Yeah. But I worked hard to get it. Of course. You know, everyone always says, you know, oh, it must be inherited. <laughs> Trust me, 
nothing inherited. Yeah. And people say, you know, give me some uh, t- t- uh, tips for success. I'm like, work hard. Yeah. You know, and I did that. And, you know, what people don't know is when I worked for Microsoft, I mean, Microsoft's out of Seattle. I'm out of Chicago. I managed a team that was all U.S. I was in Seattle or gone every single week when my kids were growing up. You know, I had that sacrifice of leaving the family. And now when I was home, I worked from the house, which was great. So it was a really good balance that we worked, but I was gone a lot. When I worked for Disney, I was gone every week. So every job I've had, there's been sacrifices to get me to where I'm at today. And people don't understand that. Yeah. Like it was just given to me. That's not the case. We wanted a home that, you know, was the Kool-Aid house. I want my kids in my basement with their friends every weekend. I want them hanging in our yard every weekend, every night, because I want to know who they're hanging with. I want to know who they are. I want them to feel like it's it's open to them. So did we deck out our basement? Yes. Did we do a beautiful kitchen remodel? Yes. Did we have a great outdoor area that we could hang yeah. at and have people over? Absolutely. And I did that all well before TikTok. Yeah, yeah. It's not like <laughs> yeah. all of a sudden TikTok money said, let's redo our <laughs> yeah, outside. Yeah. It's just what I do. It's just or it's just what we have. So, you know, money for us, you know, we don't, I don't want to say I, there's nothing to flaunt. Yeah. Um, we we like what we do. I, I keep working and I love my job that I currently have at Opia. It's awesome. It's fun. It's uh, motivating. Uh, I, you know, I have a great team. And I do it, you know, people say, well, why, why are you doing that? You got TikTok. And I'm like, yeah. no, TikTok's no. a fun hobby. Yeah. And it's a, you know, it's really not a lot of time. It's making dinners. That's all I do because I don't script anything. Yeah. I could be doing so much more to monetize my channel. Yeah. And I just don't do it. I don't want to do it. You know, people do lives every yeah. week. I think I've done five lives in a year and a half. Yeah. I just don't do them because to me it's time yeah. taken away from my family or my job. So I don't want to do it. Um, and I just don't, the, the whole money thing is nice. Like I said, my kids don't real, real, really realize probably what we have and I don't want them to, we just do our thing. And, you know, someday, um, when I do retire, we'll be able to travel and do all that stuff. And, you know, my kids someday will have an inheritance. I hope, well, maybe not actually, because to me, they need to know that they're going to have to work for it, right? Like they should wor- worry about their own uh, lifestyle and their own job because I've worked hard enough that, you know, this is yeah. this is our time for my wife and I too. You're like, listen, my wife and I, when I retire, we're getting a fleet of Rolls Royces, so they're not going to have an inheritance. <laughs> we're going to get one in every color for every day of the week. You know, <laughs> no, you listen, my, my kids don't drive Beamers yeah. and Mercedes and, you know, oh. they have older used cars. And I mean, that's what that's I That's the way to do I, it. I don't think there's anything listen, wrong with it. I had um, I was I mean, I would drive my like my stepdad's second kind of car in in uh, in high school. That's what I drove. And then when I got to college, I got like a car of my own. But it was I, I got into college and I started going in 2012 it was a 2001 Oldsmobile Bravada SUV, and nice. it was fantastic. I love that car. I wish I still had that car because it was like, it was the top like trim level from 2001. So you're like, oh my gosh, heated seats, but it was 2001, but it was like, it had so much character to it, you know? Yeah. And I got it with like, you know, I think, I think I got it with maybe like, 
100,000 miles on it. And by the time it was done, it had like 160,000 miles on it or something like that. But but it was great. It was fantastic. Yeah. Like if I could have that car back and have it run properly, wonderful. Would be great. Yeah, it would be great. Yeah, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And uh, again, I, I we just don't, we don't live that way. I mean, I, you know, could I go move into a gated community and yeah, but I, I don't want, I love my neighbors. I love the neighborhood. I love being here. It's, you know, when, when people even, you know, I, I don't have the multi-million dollar home. No, yeah. It might look like yeah. it. It's not, trust yeah. me. And now, did I put a lot of money into it to outsell the market? For sure. Yeah. But it's, we're here. Yeah. And to me, that cost is the cost of us living here and enjoying living here. Yeah. I heard a, a quote that I've said on the podcast before, too, that I think is probably true. I don't know because I haven't hit that level of wealth yet, but... uh I, you know, I've heard that like kind of money, the best level of wealth is like when you attain the level of wealth where you can go out with eight friends, you know, three other couples and you and your wife and, you know, you, the bill can, you're all having a great time and drinking and you know eating great food and the bill comes and you're able to say, I have it. And you're not worried about how that $2,000 bill, maybe, or $1,000 bill, whatever, is going to affect your bottom line at the end of the day. That it's just like, that's fine. That the, That's the highest level of success. And everything else is kind of just gravy. Like, when you when you get to uh, that's that a level. Great, that's a great comment. I, I, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. When you can do that, and it doesn't mean you can't pay the mortgage, you can't put your kids in school, you're going to be have credit card debt. Yeah. I mean, it, it's that's a great way of looking at it and to me that's success yeah and i like that i feel good about that yeah and i like that too because and i'm sure based on you you're such a people guy obviously from everything we've talked about this interview like that ability to like i have enough money where i can be generous and it doesn't put stress on me like you know in in generous in a in a practical way but like you know that 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 to me seems like a really good barometer to measure your success totally agree yeah totally agree yeah yeah i I mean that that's a it's a great way of looking at it we we also you know back to kind of what we try to instill into our kids uh god it had to be eight years ago uh we started a uh a charity and our family did it my sister and myself uh and it all started when our kids were younger so they were you know 12 and 6 or something and uh we wanted to kind of show our kids, like, we got to give back. But how do you do that, right? You live in a nice, you know, nice middle, upper class neighborhood, and they go to good schools. You know, how do you show them, you know, to give back? So what we did is we put together, uh, we went to the store and and got some bags and got blankets and hats and gloves and snacks and all this stuff and put together eight bags. And we'd go downtown Chicago for Christmas and we'd stay at a hotel. We'd go to a nice dinner. So there's the, uh, you know, to get our kids motivated, like let's what we're doing. But what we're going to do is we're going to find homeless people and we're going to give them these bags. And so we walked around and, you know, we'd find people and, you know, and we didn't do it. It was always our kids had to go do it. Like you take the bag over to them. I want you to look in their eyes and see their appreciation or their they might be afraid yeah. or they're, you know, they're on drugs or, but you see it. And we did this and I'll never forget this because, uh, those eight bags were gone very quickly and we were at dinner and my daughter, who again was only probably 10 or uh, probably 12 said, dad, we got, we got to go get more. 
And I'm like, well, we're all out. You know, maybe next time we'll do more. She goes, no, there's a Walgreens. Let's go do more. So we went to Walgreens and we bought like eight or 10 more bags. We filled them with sandwiches and gift cards and everything. And those were gone in 10 minutes. And she's like, we got to go get more. And I'm like, okay, this is something, right? So we took that one event that happened eight years ago and we came home and we started thinking about it with, again, my sister and her family and said, we should do this every year. Let's do something for our two families where we can go downtown and let's make 40 next year and we'll go hand them out. We'll walk the streets and hand them out. And uh, my niece at the time was uh, she's now graduated from college, but at the time she was younger and she took it on to set up a Facebook page and we termed it Kids That Care and Kids That Care. We had a logo of, you know, handing a bag to a homeless person and we would make these bags. We would then, you know, order stuff from Costco and Amazon and we'd fill them every year. We would go to shelters and ask people what they really needed so that we had the right things in there. And we learned every year. Um, well, it got to the point where we had 400 bags. We were going to homeless. We had 80 to 100 people, neighborhood, family, friends going, literally parading down downtown Chicago, handing bags out. And then we would do fundraisers and it was, I'm in a band with my brother-in-law and we would play a gig and $25 to get in all goes to the charity. We had special auctions and every year we've raised about $10,000 to buy all these goods to give to the kids. Well, my kids, we said, we're not running it. You guys manage this whole thing. And so for eight years, we have been doing this every year. COVID put a little wrinkle in the street thing and get together, but Boy, the last year was 2020. I mean, we've done it every year, uh, even through COVID, but it was smaller scale. But 2020, uh, I think I've got a picture of probably 80 people downtown, maybe even 100, that were all there to take 400, 450 bags, walk the streets. We had routes for everybody uh, to hand out bags. So this is more about keeping them grounded in it's not all about you. There are other people that live this way and I want you to see it. Yeah. Yeah. That's so it's been, it's been a great experience for our family. Yeah. I mean, I, I bet, I mean, that's, that's a great thing to do though. And that's great that that's something that, that they took on so much their themselves. It started as a lesson that you were doing, but then it was kind of like, Oh, I get the lesson. I just want to keep going. You know, it became, I mean, they've all written, They've all written a thesis or a uh, college entry paper, and it was all on kids that care. Wow. So this- every one of the nieces the, and my kids, because they ran it. Yeah. You know, they got they had all their friends over. They would walk around with the bags. I mean, we would have, I mean, 100 boxes of stuff delivered to our house. It was kind of like Halloween. We'd set them up around the whole house and they would go and pick every and fill the bags and then we'd load the bags. And I mean, it was just a great thing with family and friends to do and hopefully, again, uh, learn a life lesson. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. Um, You know, you've you've done so much stuff and you have said you've, you've done so much in your career and in your, you know, if you want to call it a hobby with TikTok, even though it's a really a whole other business, you know, like it's more than a hobby, I would say, but, uh, you know, and you've, you've had all this experience and you've even said, you're like, you know, Oh, I don't think my kids know, you know, the extent of my career or anything like that. You know, most people would say building a TikTok that has 2.1 million followers is a huge achievement and a huge success point. But 
you know, to, even to you, you're kind of like, oh yeah, it's it's fine, like it's great, but it's not like the big thing. Is there something that when you think back on your career, you go, wow, not in an immodest way, but that was pretty awesome, and that was pretty incredible that I got to be such an inter- integral part of that. Yeah, so I would say the Microsoft career was was that. Yeah, I mean, getting to the level I was at, managing the team I had, the friends I made the business contacts I still keep in touch with was awesome. I mean, that was the pinnacle. I didn't want to, you know, get really higher up in the company. I was where I wanted to be. And, you know, it was a great run, great run. And this, how it transferred to TikTok is I've made this my own business. I've never run my own business. Hmm. I mean, you know, I worked for Microsoft. I worked for Disney. I worked for, you know, Yahoo for a year. This is my own business. Yeah. I mean, I have got uh, my own company. I've trademarked, are you kidding me? Yeah. Saying. <laughs> yeah. I've got my own beer. Uh, I've made <laughs> my own salt and pepper shakers where I sell them on my site. Mm-hmm. It's a business. Yeah. So now, you know, running your own business, there's all different responsibilities, right? You've got branding. You've got um, just keeping it going, keeping it relevant. What's next? You know, uh, and, and so looking through what I'm doing now, this is to me the cool part, right? It's become, it is a hobby. It is, it's not, you know, everyone thinks, oh God, the amount of time you spend. My time is, I mean, as long as it cook, takes me to cook a dinner, that's my video. And, you know, reading the comments, I do it laying in bed. You know, I, I go through all the comments and that's relating with my audience, which I try to keep doing because I know how important that is. People want to, you know, I get people that just say, please notice me. Yeah. Kind of sad. Yeah. Kind of sad. Well, that speaks to the I'll... human condition, though, doesn't it? Right. And also and so... to your leadership. I mean, leadership wise, I'm sure that puts things in a new light for you because it's like that is what like people who work under you feel. And that's what commenters on. It's the same thing. It's like, just notice me. Tell me I'm valuable. Right. You know, exactly. And so those little comments, you know, maybe it made someone's day. I don't know. But for me to say hi back or hey, how long did that take me? Nothing. So I kind of look and go, you know, this running a small business, you know, when, when people have an issue with my salt and pepper shakers, they email me. Well, my wife handles all of that. So it's kind of like our own small business. You know, my daughter still helps me film. My wife helps me film. My kids help me film. Uh, they, it, it's kind of a family thing. So, you know, getting to 2.1, you know, potentially getting to three, four, five. I mean, it's, it's cool and it's fun. Again, when it stops being fun, I'll just disappear yeah. because I don't want to do it. But right now, I, I think it's still cool. If my kids came to me and said, Dad, you know something, I, I'm getting harassed at school or bullied or because of this, I'm done. You know, it's just not going to happen. But it hasn't happened that way. Instead, I think, I think my kids think it's still cool. You know, there are people that, you know, oh my God, your dad's this and I meet him and they know I'm just a normal guy. I mean, I really am just a normal guy. Uh, that's, it's been good. So that's where I think it's, it's kind of fun now. And until it stops being fun, you know, we'll go out for dinner and get noticed yeah. all the time. Huh. I don't care where I'm at, whether I'm in, you know, whether I'm in Arizona, here, California, Vegas, I could be anywhere. 
And it's weird how many people will notice. And I don't know how, where, why, you know, half the time you're wearing a mask. I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. But something's relatable. And I think my kids still think that's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, but again, until they're like, all right, I'm embarrassed that I'm out. Yeah. I mean, I I would hope that that would never happen because I mean, what you're doing is such a good thing. And I think it brings a lot of people joy. It's become like a, a comfort, I think, for people, you know, it has. And I'll tell you the cool thing. So especially my college age daughter and my son, you know, all my kids, they have all started cooking. Yeah. You know, my daughter is a very healthy eater. She makes her own meals every day at school. She'll call me, Dad, I'm making this. How do I do this? Or what would you put in here? Do I have the right seasonings? Do I, I love it. I mean, I love yeah. it. And it has nothing to do with the TikTok. Yeah. Nothing. It's just independence, right? You know, my daughter makes her own smoothies here. She'll make her own stir fry. I told my youngest daughter, the one you met, I, I told her, I go, we are videoing that. The next time you make that, you're going to you're going to yeah. show this. It's going to be you, not me. So, you know, do I want them to have their own TikTok page? Not necessarily. They all do, I'm sure, yeah. but not in this way. But maybe someday, you know, maybe they'll be a producer. Maybe yeah. they'll get into behind the scenes. But I don't want to force them or or try to talk them into anything. I want them to really lead their own path like I did and and like they should be doing. Yeah. Well, uh, that kind of brings me to this question about so I'll speak from my own life and a conversation I had, and I wonder if it it maybe is it will strike something in you. But basically, I like honestly. So for my big like dream for the longest time, especially when I was, um, you know, like a teen and into college and then out of college, my whole thing was like this like laser set focus thing on like, I want to be like basically like the next Stephen Colbert type thing. Like I want to like host a late night show. That was always like, I watched Jay Leno growing up. I watched Conan. I watched them all. So that was like always. And I had like performed a lot in high school and then did film television. That was kind of always what I wanted. And I remember I was, I'm someone who's very like kind of like laser focused on things. You know, if I can get, if I, I just obsess over things sometimes and I remember having a conversation with one of my best friend's dads, who was a lawyer who lived in Tucson, and he still does. He's a great guy. Um, Mark Conrad, shout out to him. But um, And he, we were having a conversation, and we were having some scotch, and I remember saying, like, you know, I just really want to, like, get to this level of success. Like, I was just obsessed with this, whatever success was in that way. And... He said something to me that at the time I didn't appreciate what he was trying to tell me. And he said, you know, he said, sometimes there's something really, really successful about just being able to provide for a family and have a good life. And I think he saw that, like, maybe I was so focused on, like, quote unquote, being somebody and trying to like achieve this big, like louder success that he was like, ultimately, when it comes down to it, the biggest success you'll ever feel is being able to just provide a good life for you and your family. No matter what every the everyone else in the world thinks. And around the same time, my mom said, OK, let do let's do an exercise. Name the last five 
Oscar winners. Name the last five Nobel Peace Prize winners. Name the last five people who won a Peabody Award. And of course, like you can think of maybe like two, you know, maybe. And she was like, name the five people who you go to the most for good advice. Name the five people who give the best hugs in your life. Name the five people who, you know, are always there to pick up the phone. And you can name those people like that. And she's like, so what really matters? Like, who are you, you know? And I wonder, you know, you've, you are someone who's had such, you've had big success in a couple different ways. You know, you've had big, big success in the business world in a way that, you know, you were walking around, people didn't know you, but you were highly successful and still are. And then you've had the success now becoming more in a fame of sorts way where people are now you're visually famous and people are successful enough in the in the media world in tiktok where people are now seeing you do that how do those successes compare to that you know the success of oh but i was just a good i'm just a good guy too was able to provide a good life for my family and the, after I say all that, that'd be hilarious if you're like, oh, no, the fame is way better than providing <laughs> <laughs> No, you know something? Listen, I, I didn't ask for this. Yeah. I didn't go in with the thought of this is going to happen. Now, there are people, and you probably know, you watch them, who go on TikTok and Instagram and whatever to be famous. They are trying to be viral. They are trying to get enough followers to, you know, make a job of it. Like they don't want to work. They want to do this and they might be creative enough to, to be successful. I went in this as a favor to my daughter because she asked me to. And when I did it, it was, uh, it just happened organically. So I'm kind of just riding the wave to me. It is all about the family. I mean, you're right. It's listen, if this affected anyone in an adverse way, I'm out because it's just not important. Um, it's not like I'm doing it for a living. Now, it, I have, uh, I do have a business mind, so it's silly of me to think of it as why wouldn't I monetize it? Uh, you wouldn't believe how many comments I get from people on my page when I'm when I am promoting somebody that they go, "You just sold out. I used to like you. You're a sellout." And normally, I pass those over. I don't anymore. I answer every one of them, and you know what I say. Do you get paid at work? That's it. One question. Do you get paid at work? I the, the, the part that people may not understand about what I do or any cook, let's just take a cook, forget a dancer, you know, there's practice. And now I don't necessarily, I would say most of my meals are first timers. Like if I make a meal and I, I, I found a recipe, I tweak it, I heard about it, I ate it at a restaurant, I saw it at a friend's house and I say, I'm going to make that. And I go make it. That's what I film. You know, so no one knows how it tasted, right? Now, I may love it. There are some that are in my rotation. I'm like, I am making that every night or every third night because we're going to eat it. But what happens is I have to go buy food. Okay? Costs money. I have to go set my kitchen. My wife cleans that kitchen before and after. I mean, she makes sure that, you know, people notice everything. They want to know what kind of shoes I'm wearing. They want to know, you know, where did I get that shirt? They want to know what was in a background. You know, I saw something in that video. So my wife makes sure that that kitchen or outside is perfect. You know, that everything looks great. That takes time. Uh, I have to edit my video. Now, I've gotten pretty good. I could probably do it in 10 minutes. 
but still there's editing that has to be done. And, you know, it's all of that takes time away from something. You know, it's not like I'm just sitting around watching Netflix all day. So it, it, all of it takes time. Why shouldn't I get paid? TikTok pays every creator. Once you hit 10,000 followers, you get in what's called the creator pool. You just make money by how many views you get. That's it. And so I don't ask for it. It just, it's an automatic thing. It's not a ton of money, but it kind of, for some people, it might be actually, it might be a great living. But for me, when someone says, God, you're a sellout, God, you just, well, I look at it this way. I have now become apparently an influencer. That is a job, right? That is a, that's an actual title. My wife uh, does a lot of her shopping from her Instagram page. Mm -hmm. She follows three bloggers or or influencers. I swear to God. I mean, I get a package every day at the door and she'll be like, it was Target. It was $12. It was Amazon. It was, (laughs) and they're great. And it's all from her three influencers. Now those people are monetizing every time she buys something, yeah. she clicks on them. Yeah. They get something. So they get a piece of yeah. it. So I kind of go, you know, when people say, God, you're a sellout, or you know, I can't believe you've you you're doing this promotion, nice promotion. You used to be fun to watch. Yeah. I'm like, listen, you don't I don't have a subscription yeah. yet. <laughs> right? yeah. You don't have to follow me. I'm not, I love it. I try to thank people when they say, God, you're an inspiration or I love what you do or I love your style. Thank you. But I don't force anybody to watch my videos. And if I can monetize it to pay for my time, my food that I buy, my prep, um, you know, again, ring lights, my wife's time and that we can make some money to go out on a nice vacation or great. Uh, Why wouldn't I? Yeah. Again, until you go into work and say, Don't pay me. Keep it. I just like what I'm doing. You know, I also said to someone once who this was early on and I told this to a a show I did uh, with some Chicago uh, uh, personalities. You know, they they asked the same question about a hater saying, God, you you're sellout. And I said to him, I go uh, to one person, I go, did you play sports in high school? And the kid, they're mostly kids. Yeah, Yeah, of course. Replied, replied, yes, I did. I go, if you were good enough to get a college scholarship, would you tell them, I just love the game, keep your money? Yeah. Or would you take that college scholarship? Yeah. What person, 100% take the college scholarship because you're good enough to play and they want to reward you for that? Well, if for some reason from a, a certain brand think I'm the right face of their brand, why would I not take why would I not take that marketing money that by the way they give to everybody? They give it to TVs or, or TV promotions and, and yeah. commercials and and uh you know whether it's a newspapers or circulars yeah. or radio. I mean better in my pockets than theirs. <laughs> well, I mean it's it's capitalism. No, for right? sure. I mean, no, it, I'm not saying so, that in a in a yeah. in a joking way. You're just kind of like, listen, if you want to pay it to me, that's fine. Right. And and again, I go back to I would be a sellout in my own words if every single product, if you see me promoting generators, yeah. I'm a sellout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I had a company reach out to me, that, and I won't say the name of the company, but this week with umbrellas. Yeah. I go, what, what, where would I use an umbrella? I, I mean, why would I just say, hey, look at the, 
I mean, it's just not my channel. It doesn't fit. So I'm not doing, I don't care how much money you're going to throw at me. I'm not doing it. But, you know, if you really look through my channel, I have probably three or four Stallworth brands. Yeah. And one of them's my own, right? Well, one of them is my salt and pepper yeah. shakers, but those are mine. Yeah. I have a beer that's not mine, but it's Sagatuck Brewery, but they made a beer for me. Yeah. Why wouldn't I promote exactly. that? Why would I drink someone else's <laughs> yeah. beer when I have my own beer? Yeah. You know, I, you see George Clooney sold his tequila company yeah. for $2 billion. Yeah. Should he say, keep it? I don't want it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> or, oh no, I'm going to, dr I'm going to drink Jose Cuervo instead. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Instead of my own. Yeah. So, you know, I think Ryan Reynolds has his he, own. He, well, he has aviation gin. Aviation gin. You know, so, and, and again, I'm not, I'm not at all comparing myself to those yeah. guys, but to me, yeah, I'm going to drink my beer yeah. that I like. And it, you know, why wouldn't I? Listen, so. there's a reason why it's like habits of wealthy people versus how it's not wealthy people. It's kind of like the mindset is like, yes, like if you are successful, success kind of begets success in a way, you know, and like yes. you if and if you're successful enough to get successful once, it's probably because you have a certain level of instinct and acumen and that those things when those other successes kind of come around, you ultimately develop a kind of gravity of sorts where things come in toward you and are attracted to you and you know how to reach out and grab them in a productive way and that's why you even got this gravitation of success to begin with you know yeah you know the funny one that i uh no one seems to bring up uh i do hear it a lot what made me you know call it my trademark might be the are you kidding yeah. me but it really is the blackstone Right on the Blackstone. Never gotten a penny from them. Really? Never gotten anything. They don't even return my phone calls. Really? Nothing. I would have sworn Nothing. they were a sponsor. Never. Wow. And you know something? I've reached out to them. I've talked to their marketing people. They don't. I'll send you a bunch of free stuff. I don't need free yeah. stuff. I got everything I need. Yeah. I bought it all. What do we want me to do with it? So the thing is, is yet I still say on the Blackstone. Yeah. And I do it because I think people like that, yeah. right? I think people associate me with that. If you knew, Elliot, how many people have actually told me, and I, I'm going to say it's in the hundreds. I bought maybe a Blackstone because of you. Exactly. Yep. Because of you. <laughs> and again, I don't make a penny on them. Now, why do I keep promoting them? I don't really look at it as a promotion. To me, it's might have become my brand, right? So... Am I going to change my brand? You know, I was told once by somebody put duct tape over it when you and, and mute it. You know, listen, uh, at some point, maybe Blackstone will come in and say, hey, you know, we want you or uh, sales. You know, we've got two competitors and we're, we're hurting. You know, maybe that I'll talk to him. But nobody, nobody mentions like, oh, you're a sellout on this product. But Blackstone, which, by the way, kind of made me. And me saying, I don't have to say on the Blackstone. I said it once, and it's a funny story. A buddy of mine was over, and he said, you have to say that every time you cook on this. He goes, it was just something about it. It was cool. I go, okay. And that's where I started doing it. I did it once, organically. And he goes, you have to continue doing it. So I kind of credit him with why I keep doing but it. But it takes time to do that. It takes time to do the pickups, to do the pickup shot yeah. of the zoom in on the Blackstone, you know, logo in like the slap down. It takes, it's, you know, it takes time from a producing eye. You know, I just, I see those yes. things and I'm like, okay, there's certain 
you know, repetitive. And remembering things. to yeah. do it every time. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I bought a Blackstone for my place out in Arizona. And yeah. I love shooting out there. And I use that one. Yeah, of course. Uh, so, but again, they don't, they don't give me a penny. Exactly. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, so, but all that to say that at the end of the day, like, despite all of that, like, the success is great, but the greatest value point of the success for you is what you've been able to do to kind of build this family and this level of like comfort and happiness for absolutely that is like i said until it if it ever becomes no longer fun if my family ever said "Eh, not into it anymore stop doing it i'm done to me it's about them i try to get them in videos you know sometimes they want to sometimes they don't uh, I try to incorporate them. You know, they help out whenever I need them to help out. So again, and, and they'll benefit. You know, can we go on a nice vacation because <laughs> yeah. of, you know, Earth? Sure. You know, and I can say, hey, this is all because of TikTok. You know, yeah, I always yeah, promise yeah. my daughter who got me into it. My youngest is the one who got me into it at 12 years old. You know, I said, you will get the car you want yeah. when you become 16. Yeah. Because this was all your idea yeah. that I reluctantly agreed to yeah. do. So, you know, that is her little, you know, thing that she's got coming. Yeah, Yeah, it's her little bonus. But other than that, it's been, like I said, it's been fun. But it, I, I, my, my morals, my uh, ethics, everything I do is, is about, you know, keeping it real. And if, and it's good for my family, it's good for my friends. It's good for, it it hasn't affected any of that. I'm going to keep doing it because it's fun. Well, that's a great place to go into our final part of the podcast. We do it at the yep. end of every podcast. Seven question quiz. We ask all guests the same seven questions. So uh, first question, what is your go to drink? I think I might know this one, but. <laughs> wow. Uh, God, uh, it all depends on the day, the meal. Yeah. I have three drinks, okay. let's just say. Uh, I love an IPA. And of course, it's the are you kidding me from Saga yeah. Brewery? There's my plug. Uh, I love red wine. Okay, yeah. Love it. So uh, really, a Cabernet is my favorite. Do you have a favorite Cabernet, like a label or oh, no? Oh, man. I have so many. Yeah, but yeah. I love, when I moved to Washington, I became a Washington wine yeah. fan over Napa. And I love Washington cabs. So there's quite a few I belong to, clubs. And uh, those, to me, are my favorite. Yeah. The drink of choice. So if I'm not drinking wine or beer, I kind of, I'll say healthy, but it's not healthy. I'm a, just a vodka soda. Guy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah. So that, that's it. It's very basic. And, you know, do I have a favorite vodka? Yeah. You know, Tito's kettle. You, you know, what know is really good too, that, and they're not a sponsor, but, um, if they'd like to be, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I didn't know about it until I moved back to New York, but there's a vodka called Gary's good. And Gary's Never good heard of it. is, I swear to you, it's like the same kind of trajectory that Tito's took. Remember when Tito's was like way cheaper than it is nothing. now? It was nothing. Yeah. And everyone was like, this is way better than the price point. And then everyone started buying it. And then Tito's was like, oh, we got to increase the price. We're actually, we're doing a good job. And then the price kind yeah. of started ticking up. And now Tito's is still affordable, but it's not like, like it's not like pop-off level pricing. Yeah. Gary's yeah. good is like almost pop-off level pricing like cheap like is it national i think i mean i don't know if it how big it is national i've seen it outside of um new york 
But I mean, I'm sure they're going to expand and they do other kinds of alcohol too. But to me, it's like you can get again, like a, you know, crazy amount of it cheap, but it is really, really good quality. Oh, so I'll have to try it for if vodka I can find soda. It here, it's it. good. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. And uh, now that Tito's knows that you're not buying them anymore, they're gonna they're gonna attack the podcast. Well, I love Tito's. <laughs> Tito's yeah, is great. probably my go-to. No, me too. I, mean, I just love the story. You know, Austin, yeah, Texas. It's great. And it's kind of cool. Yeah. So yes, I would love to do something with Tito's. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> Tito's. Yeah. Um, so question number two, uh, what is something in life that is overrated? Hmm. Wow. I don't know if I've ever thought about that. That's what we're here to do, you know? I know. Let's go to question three, and I'll come back to that one. I don't know if it's going to be any easier for you. Question th- question three is, what is something in life that is underrated? Um, You're like, let's go back to question two. Jesus. Yeah. Can we go to one? What drinks I like? Wow. Underrated. Okay, go four. Let's go four. They we'll don't get easier, Daryl. They, <laughs> they go, they, the whole structure of this is that it's supposed to get increasingly <laughs> broad spectrum. And, and wow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I kind of look at questions like this. They should come top of mind, right? You should be able to answer it, whether it's fully it thought out. But those two. God, I don't know if I've ever thought of that. Yeah. I mean. Huh. I, I mean. You know, I, I I don't know. Sometimes people, sometimes people who don't like immediately have an answer, they'll talk, they'll find their way to it. You know, they'll talk through a yeah. couple things. Like if I say overrated, is there, there's nothing that comes top of mind or there's like, oh, I guess this kind of, and this kind of, and this kind of. Hmm. Anything that you ever just get like a real, like. You recoil when you think of when you like you see lots of people doing it and you're just like, ah, uh, uh, that kind of is very off putting to me. <laughs> this is terrible. It's not I cannot terrible. think of a Don't thing worry. that's under or overrated. I mean, underrated, it could be got so many things. Um I I mean, I could say that literally Doing nothing, sitting on the couch. Uh, okay, I'll give you yeah. one. Underrated. And I don't know if it's underrated or people just don't do it. I am a huge uh, yoga guy. Oh, like I do okay. hot yoga three yeah. or four days a week. And the meditation part of yoga is, I believe, fully underrated. Yeah. People, I don't think, understand the breathing technique, how it could actually change your stress levels. All of that. Yeah. So yoga or maybe practicing meditation, I believe, is underrated. Underrated. For sure. That's great. Yes. See, we've knocked yes. out one of the two. So we went, we we went one, one to three, and then we still have yeah. this gap in two. But but see, sometimes things... Okay, I got okay, it. I got okay, it. I got okay, it. I got okay. it. I got it. Okay. Overrated. Overrated. I'm going to tell you what's overrated. Dieting. Dieting. And I'll tell you why. Because everyone, there is from myself to my wife to friends of mine, family... God, someone's always on a mm-hmm. diet and it's it's a crazy one. It's, you know, it's it's whether it's uh, keto, whether it's uh, what was that other one with no sugar? I mean, there's yeah. so many out there to me. And this is kind of, you know, I've been doing somewhat inter- intermittent fasting, yeah. 
which I, do that I really too. like. Yeah. I love it, Me right? Too. Because you, you know, they say you can eat anything, but you still want to eat in moderation. But, you know, I kind of like it because it, I don't have to give up things. But uh, I do think dieting's overrated. And something I would say, and I tell this to everybody, everyone's like, how do you stay so thin? Well, I'm not thin, but how do you stay fit knowing that you eat all this food? Well, one, I don't eat all the food. Yeah. And to me, it's everything in moderation. Yeah. So dieting to me is moderation. Yeah. It's so overrated. People stress over it. People are so concerned about it. You know, moderation to me is the key. Yeah. Same with, you know, drinking alcohol. You know, everyone, oh God, you drink a lot. Well, you see me take a sip or two. Yeah. That might be all I'm doing. Yeah. Right. Uh, and it's it's kind of part of my stick, yeah. right? It's part of my thing. So to me, uh, I would say for sure overrated is just the dieting fad yeah. is overrated because how much people put on it. And, you know, I, I've done diets and my you know friends have done diets where you've lost 10 pounds, you feel great, but you can't keep it. Yeah. You can't maintain it. Yeah. So to me, that's where moderation comes in. Uh, you know, just everything in moderation. I love Don't it. have to clean the whole plate. I love We We found it. We got it. We got, yeah. we got the first. This is easy. We, God, we knocked, this is easy. We, just th- we, we did a workshop. We did a think tank, you know, <laughs> and we got them. Question number four. What is a simple pleasure in life that brings you immense happiness? Oh, that's easy. Uh, listen, we, we love traveling, but just hanging out. Hanging out, whether it's in Arizona, whether it's on my patio, uh, whether it's, you know, taking the family out on the boat and just a relaxing day. Uh, I just love kicking back. Yeah, I really do. And just whether it's hanging with family, hanging with friends, it's just it's my favorite thing. to Yeah. Do. No, I, I completely get that. Uh, question number five. What is your biggest regret? I only smile because I just can see you going like, no, not, not another big one. Um, wow. I mean, I, I don't, luckily, mm-hmm. luckily, thankfully, don't know if I have many regrets. Uh, Good. Some people have given that answer. Some people say, well, you know, I have none. And then some people have them. It just depends. God, I, I really don't know. Good. If Listen, that, you've a had a good life if you if one doesn't. No, come I mean, yeah, I mean, not not enough yeah. right, to say, you know. Um, no, you know, I, I, I often thought about how often I traveled, you know, when my kids were young. But I, I seem to find the balance in that because. When I did travel, I would be gone Monday to Wednesday. Yeah. Well, then Thursday, Friday, I worked out of my house. Yeah. I have always worked out of my house. And working out of your house, you know, you can help with the kids. You can drive them somewhere. You can go watch them play something yeah. and still be on a conference call. You know, you can do all that. And I, I found a way to make it work. So regret. Yeah, I don't, I don't know yeah. if I've got any. Listen, really? better that than the alternative. Like how much time yeah. do you have? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Only one? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, question number six, what would you like to be remembered for? Hmm. Uh, I would like, that's a great question. I would like to be remembered as, uh, a great family member, a loving family member, an inspir, you know, inspirational, 
person, whether it's in business or in family, and a great friend. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, I, I would hope, I, I've said this so many times, I've already have them picked out. I've got two buddies. Uh, it's going to be a party when it happens, if it happens, you know, before everybody. No, no crying. It, it'll be a At roast. At the funeral? Oh, yeah. yeah. It'll be a roast. It'll I be love a party. It. With I don't care if you have a band. I don't care. You, you, know, you know what food. you can take it if it, it, you know how the, like the roast technically are the Friars Club. You should call yours the yeah. Dyers Club. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I, I always had a a business model that I've I've talked to people about yeah. for probably ten years now. Of this whole, you know, you go to a, a, a funeral home. It's so depressing and are, it, it's medieval almost, right? You're looking at a dead person in the in a cat. Forget it. I mean, I think yeah, I, I'm not Irish, but, you know, I respect the Irish funerals. They're all at a bar and they're all toasting and they're all telling funny stories. And to me, I would hope I'm remembered that you can have a bash and pass a microphone around and talk about all the stupid things I've done. Funny, idiotic, whatever. And that's it. That's it. Drinking, eating music playing that's it there and come dressed in shorts don't wear a suit it's crazy you know when my wife and i got married we went by ourselves and got married on the beach in hawaii and came back and had a party in hawaiian outfits you know shorts no stuffy ties no and it was just and you party. probably saved a lot of money doing it that way well you know the party was great yeah, well yeah so, so not, uh, but yeah but there was no hurt feelings of you weren't asked to be yeah, a bridesmaid yeah. or a groomsman. There was no first dance. There was no cutting of the cake. It was just, you were met at the door with a Mai Tai and we had great food and we had a blast. I love it. That is how I want to go out. Mm -hmm. And so to me, that's how I want to be remembered. And I would hope a lot of people show up. I love it. <laughs> so. I think, I think knowing you and knowing just my experience with you, let alone all the people who, you know, you've worked with and the kind of boss you were, I think there'll be a very good turnout. So I'm pretty confident in saying that. Uh, final question. Daryl, what are you most looking forward to in life moving forward? Uh, I can't wait for my kids to uh, actually get through school, you know, find that special somebody um, get a rewarding career. It doesn't, I don't care if it's nonprofit, yeah. just rewarding, right? Where they feel like they're doing something, you know, great and, and rewarding for them and to have grandkids. Yeah. I, I can't wait. I mean, I don't want to age myself yeah. or, or work toward getting older, but that whole next life, um, to me is, uh, that next stage yeah. I guess, of our life. I can't wait. I always, I mean, that is what I'm looking forward to. That's amazing. I always say like when people ask like, Oh, do you want kids or whatever and stuff? I'm like, you know, or people say, Oh, I don't want kids. I don't want kids. It's so tough. And I'm like, you know, I don't think you have kids for their first 20. You have them for your last 20. That's a great way of looking at it. You know, you know, I, I, I can't wait. You know, I, I, I say to my wife, you know, I, I try to stay healthy. I feel I'm healthy. My doctor says I'm healthy. You know, I want to, I can't wait to be at all of their weddings. Yeah. Right. I want to see them all get married. I, I hope they have great partners, right? Yeah. In, in who they pick. 
And then, you know, that next stage of uh, grandkids, I, I can't wait. I really, I, again, I'm not pushing yeah. it. I'm not, I don't want it to come sooner than uh, I want, but that whole stage, I think, is a whole nother life. I mean, my my youngest daughter, I mean, I had when, God, what am I, uh, 43? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of old, mm-hmm. I think, to have a, a child. I think it kind of kept me yeah. younger, right? Because now she's 14. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I was 42. And uh, I think that was the best thing that yeah. happened because I didn't want to, you know, I still had to coach her softball. I still played with her in the yard. We we did things together and it kept me, I'd say, young, younger. Uh, but I can't wait for that next kind of phase. And I'm, oh. I'm, I know it might be 10 years from now and I'm OK with that, but I I'm looking forward to that. I'll look forward to that for you. And when they finally, yeah. when they finally tell you you're, you know, you're going to be a grand, oh, when man. they finally tell you you're going to be a grandparent, you'll get to say, "Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> we did it. We put the exactly. button on it. Yeah. Good one. <laughs> Thank That's you. Perfect. Thank you, Daryl. I really appreciate you doing this, man. It's been a joy. No, it's great hearing from you. 